Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out Employment Notebook, a part of localjobnetwork.com radio, which is your source for experienced guests and terrific knowledge on all things employment related. I'm your host, Tim Muma. And we all have strengths, of course. They vary in kind, value, and impact, and they bring positive effects to the workplace. However, those positives could potentially be spoiled. Sarah Canaday, an MBA who has risen up America's corporate ladder earlier in her career, joins the show now to talk about seductive blind spots. Sarah is currently the owner of Sarah Canaday and Associates, where she helps mentor thousands of individuals as a consultant and coach. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I think we'll start with the obvious question, seductive blind spots. Can you give the listeners an idea of what that is? Certainly. So the reason I call them seductive is because we uh, tend to be seduced by getting rewarded and encouraged for using certain attributes. Sometimes that seduction happens over time and we're then seduced to use those attributes to their fullest. And so we try to maximize whatever attribute we have been encouraged or rewarded for, or we know is is just typically a strength. So is this something that just gets into our head and we push, 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 and we figure everybody likes it and wants it, and then it gets to a point of, of negativity? How does that all work as far as how it's not always a positive necessarily? Well, yes. You know, it's like anything else. It's balance. And I think we need to think in terms of optimizing our strengths as opposed to maximizing them. Hmm. And I think we've all heard the idea that our strengths taken too far can become weaknesses. And in some cases, they can even inhibit our forward progress or they can sabotage our success. The worst part is that sometimes we don't even realize it, again, because there are things that you would think on the face are positive attributes. And so we're not aware when they take the turn and become traits that may be impeding us. Could you maybe give us a quick example of one of these situations where somebody does see something within themselves that's a positive because of either being rewarded or complimented on it, and then there's this turn or it goes too far. And we'll obviously get into some more details as far as how to recognize it and how to make sure it doesn't happen, but something that the listeners can kind of grab onto before we move forward. I think it would be helpful to give you two examples. One is more of a trait, and the other one is perhaps even a little bit of a value. And the first is, you know, somebody who has been lauded for being very energetic, very enthusiastic as an independent contributor, and then eventually as a leader, right? And they are very supportive of those they lead, they take charge, they are an advocate for their team. Mm-hmm. And over time, their peers and or the executives who might be considering them for upward movement think that that enthusiasm needs to be dialed back a little bit. Hmm. And we often associate with executive presence with those who are very measured, they're very calm in a crisis, they're very deliberate in their speech and in their speech patterns and their body language. And so this idea of being very energetic and very enthusiastic at some point in your career might need to be dialed back. So that's one example. Okay. Yeah. The other example of funny came up yesterday as I was coaching a high potential with a a Fortune 100 company. And the irony is that he and we both discovered together that his drive, his ability to have a very succinct 
flight plan, know where he's going, knows what it's going to take to get there, can actually be causing a bit of a disconnect between how he wants to be seen and how others are seeing him. In that, drive can be a good thing, but too much drive, I think our society places some sort of a negative connotation, right? The person who's out for themselves, the person who wants to get to his end goal at any cost, despite the ramifications. So we talked about the idea that he might need to dial back his outward drive, Mm -hmm. but it's okay that he inwardly knows exactly where he's going and what he wants to do to get there, that perhaps maybe not verbalizing it as much and maybe not having his day-to-day approach to work tell others that that is his priority. So slow down perhaps a little bit as he's rushing from meeting to meeting or, you know, just take time to lift his head up from his to-do list and look around and see how others are doing and the impact that uh, perhaps some of his decisions are making on those around him. So those are two examples. No, I I think those are great examples to, again, give the listeners something tangible to sort of take hold of and understand exactly what we're touching on here. With some of the items that you brought up there and some of the details you mentioned, is some of this a matter of just not showing it versus you're not really changing yourself? I mean, where's sort of that balance? And we can talk about balance a little bit further here as well as far as uh, successfully avoiding this. But how much of this is actually a change for yourself versus not necessarily playing all your cards, if that makes sense? It makes perfect sense. And I'm glad you asked it because I don't necessarily advocate that people try to change who they are. It's a natural set point. In fact, uh, many times when I'm in a workshop or, or presenting, I tell of my own story while I was in corporate and how I'm naturally wired to be somewhat more intense and serious and focused. That I'm not necessarily going to change that about myself. That's who I am. Right. The more important thing is to know when and where to adjust that natural tendency to better influence, have a better impact, and frankly, to just better engage with others. So it's not a manipulative cover, if you will. It really is adjusting some of our natural tendencies, which in turn is going to help us in the long run right? and help us engage with others. Well, let's dive a little bit further into the idea of giving people some tips and strategies on how they can be successful with this or try to adjust what they're doing or or how they're behaving in a certain way. And you mentioned it already a couple of times, the idea of balance. It's obviously easier said than done. So what are ways that people can keep an eye on this and try to be balanced in how they are portraying themselves? Well, I think, you know, before we can actually try on the idea of balance, we need to know, are there indicators or are there attributes that we are either overusing or in some cases underusing, right? It works both ways. Mm -hmm. And so the first step to me is about self-awareness. It's about really understanding sort of your, not just your personality, but your approach to work and how you work with others. It's about understanding your quirks, your mood, your attitude. That's step one and being very realistic about it and being very intentional about how you want to come across. And then the next step is even more critical. Now it's time to get feedback. You've got to understand how others experience you. And the only way you're going to know that is by asking. And I think the mistake we make is if we seek mentors or trusted advisors, we don't necessarily ask the right questions. 
you know, we're so broad and so tell me, tell me what you think, how am I doing or where did you, how did you get where you are? Right. If you do some really intentional work in the first phase, which is self-awareness, wow, you can put together a little profile that says, here are the words that I want people to use when describing me. Here is what I want them to say it's like to work with me. Can you tell me if what I'm doing is either supporting or contradicting this profile? Then people are much better armed to give you very candid feedback and more importantly, give you tips of how you can either support that profile and what perhaps you're doing, right? They can shine the light on what you may be doing that's contradicting your intended profile. So those to me are critical steps. And then it's about closing the gaps in any of these attributes. So finding out what are the things you need to either dial back or dial forward. Um, Energy level is a good example of something that I think for some of us, we have to work to dial it forward. Sure. Because energy exudes this idea of sense of urgency and even a passion for what we're doing. So I think it's very important in the work world. Therein is is your area of, of sort of a gap analysis where you say, okay, here's what I've discovered. Now I need to do better at balancing. And in some cases, not be as much of an evangelist at a meeting or, you know, <laughs> theatrical in my or animated in my facial expressions. If I would need to tone down my enthusiasm, I need to be more reserved. I need to be very conscientious of my body language and my facial expressions and try that on over a period of time under certain circumstances. Not always. It's just under the right conditions. Right. So, you know, I, I often advise people, don't worry that you'll swing the pendulum too far one way or the other, right? If your natural set point is to be extremely intense and serious all the time, if you need to balance that, you're not going to become the class clown in the next meeting. That's just not who you are. But showing up and perhaps sharing something funny that happened to you on the way to work, that you know you spilled your coffee or that you child said something funny. It just makes you more human. Mm -hmm. It sort of levels off some of that edge that you might have if you're always so serious. And again, don't fear that you're going to swing the pendulum the other way. One thing that I saw you write about in regards to our strengths and sort of finding that sweet spot was that successful people have a certain depth and dimension to them. And as far as utilizing those strengths, can you give us a picture of, of how that looks or how you do create that depth and dimension, as you mentioned? Well, I think you might be referring to this idea of very effective, and I'm going to use leaders because I work a lot with leaders and high potentials. Their depth and dimension comes from this ability to pull out two seemingly opposite attributes, right? So they may be extremely decisive and strong, charismatic leader, yet they show vulnerability at just the right time. Mm. They might be very decisive, quick on their feet, take charge, yet the right time they're willing to be flexible. Let's go with a highly energetic person, right? Who can be very energetic, but they also know how to be very calm in a crisis. You've got a very competitive individual or leader, but they know when to be empathetic at the right time task-oriented. Somebody could be very task-oriented, but yet people-sensitive. Strategic, yet conceptual and creative. Or somebody who's a 
huge visionary, right? Just extremely innovative, mm-hmm. but they're a realist and they're very practical at the same time. So that's what I mean by bringing depth and dimension to your attributes. And those are interesting to me because at least from my personal experience, and I'll obviously bounce it to you here as well. If somebody does come off as strong a lot of times, and then at some point they pull it back or they show that vulnerability, that almost seems like that is a signal to everyone that, hey, this is serious, or I really care about this, or this is important. Do you see that as being an important aspect of utilizing yourself in the workplace and and giving people those ideas? Oh, yes. I mean, certainly, I think it's a, it, it's a window into the depths of that person, right? We finally see something different from the person. But again, it also sends a signal to us that, okay, this is a little bit different. Just like when people are speaking, you know, uh, they're giving a presentation that they're very animated and they're using their arms. And then when they get to a very serious point, customarily, speakers should lower their arms to their sides and their speech should become a little slower and a little more monotone because it shows the gravity of what it is they're speaking about. So yes, absolutely. I think that's a a great picture to give people as far as an example of what it would physically look like in that scenario. And obviously we're talking a little bit different dimension here. I did want to give you the opportunity as we get close to wrapping up the show here to offer up the listeners a takeaway from our conversation, something that either we haven't touched on or that you think is important to give them as far as some tips or advice on being able to strike that balance, avoid those seductive blind spots and not let it become a negative and always, of course, be a strength for them? Well, I think the process is iterative. So, you know, what I find is that some of us have been through our careers, corporations, and we've been given feedback, whether it's in a performance review, whether it's disguised as humor, um, you know, whether we've taken part in some sort of a 360-degree assessment where we, we do get some feedback on some areas. And then, you know, years can go by and we don't avail ourselves of that data, right? It's rich data. We don't seek out feedback. We need to because the attributes that have served us for one position industry could, they could no longer serve us or we need some different attributes in a new industry, uh, in a new role or under a new boss, right? Mm. Yep. So I think what I would want to leave people with is that it's not a one-time thing. You don't just learn about your personality or your tendencies and demeanor and that that's who you are and it never changes. I think you need to learn about them over time because different situations will call out different things depending on your environment and your circumstance. All right. With that final message, we will close out this episode of Employment Notebook. And again, today we've been talking with Sarah Canaday and the idea of seductive blind spots and how uh, you you try to avoid turning those positives into negatives if you can in the workplace. Sarah, thanks for coming on the show, sharing some of these thoughts and perspectives. I do think uh, listeners can definitely relate and hopefully they've been able to take away some key points from you. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Once again, that is Sarah Canaday. She is the owner of Sarah Canaday and Associates and of course, joining us here on LJN Radio today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe you have an idea for a new show or you'd like to just give us some feedback from something you've heard in the past, go ahead and email us. LJNRadio at localjobnetwork.com is where you can reach us. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.